Well, good morning, everybody. So uh, if you're new, I don't dress like this all the time. Uh, it's been amazing the comments that I've gotten. I've gotten a lot of wows. Um, I got, a, a, I think, three fancies and one fancy-like. Um, so I was thinking of breaking down and doing a little Applebee's thing here, but um, I'm not going to do that. But uh, I just wanted to illustrate a point. Have you ever noticed that um, when you dress up rather nice that you tend to carry yourself a little differently, that uh, you stand a little taller, maybe you hold your head a little higher, um, you view yourself a little differently, and, and clearly other people view you differently? Have you ever noticed that when you get dressed up? Well, um, that's the case with me, and and I think it's true also when we dress down, too. So think about this. What if I came up here and I was wearing a T-shirt and some chubby shorts and and some tennis shoes, you know? You you would look at me differently. I would conduct myself differently, carry myself differently, probably view myself differently as you view me differently. You might think, oh, there's Kevin Hughes. And you'd be wrong. But uh, anyhow, like you see how it works, right? Like what you wear oftentimes influences how you carry yourself, how you view yourself, and how other people view you as well. So I want you to hold on to that thought as we go through the message this morning. Because for the last four weeks, we've been really examining this question, um, really two questions. What is the gospel and what difference does it make to us? What is the gospel and what difference does it make to us? And so the gospel, as we've come to define it, is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, in order to embrace this good news, you have to understand that there's some bad news and that we have a problem. And this problem is that each and every one of us have have rebelled against God at some point in our lives. And that's known as sin. And so this sin problem that we have has caused a relationship problem that we now have with God and with other people as well. It spills over into our other relationships. Well, God had a solution. He had a solution to this problem, and the solution is Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross for us. It's he who paid the price for our sin so that through faith in him, we might be reconciled to God the Father. That's the good news. Now, last week, um, Mark was up here, and he, he was sharing, like, what do we do with that? How do we appropriate that good news? What difference does that make in our lives? And he shared with us um, from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And it, and it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And that's good news. We see that it changes everything. And what I, I want to do is, is really spend some time looking at the implications of, of this. And if you go back, um, I think it was week two when I was speaking, I said that I'm going to tell you how you can go from being bad to good and how you can go from being a sinner to a saint. And I plan to do that this morning. So we'll see how this goes. Now, um, good, the, the church word, the biblical word for good is righteous, righteous. And so to be righteous is to act in accordance with God's moral law, to act in accordance with God's moral law. It's, it's to be free from guilt and sin. And so 
We established in week two that none of us are truly good, even though we may like to think of ourselves like that. But we've all failed at some point keeping the moral law, right? I mean, we've all lied at some point or cheated. You know, we know the Ten Commandments or, you know, bits and pieces. You know enough to know you haven't kept them, right? You know, so we're all guilty of that. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. We can understand that. And so there's a price to be paid. And, um, the good news is that, that Jesus paid that price, and through Jesus, we can go from being bad to good, from unrighteous to righteous. Now, um, this is talked about a lot in what we call the New Testament. So Peter, who's one of my favorite guys in, in all the Bible, but Peter talks about it. So if you, we're not going to get into that today, but if you want to make a note of this, maybe later on today or through the week, go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter talks about this righteousness that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ, and he does a beautiful job with that. Um, Paul, again, the Apostle Paul, who, who we also love and, and wrote so much of the New Testament through the inspiration of God. If you continue to read throughout Romans, you'll see time and time again where he's talking about this righteousness of God that has been imparted to us. But this morning, what I wanted to focus on is um, where he talked about this in a letter he was writing to the church in Ephesus. And, and I just love the imagery of it, and so I wanted to focus on that. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, it, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a church Bible, it's page 1138. And um, I want to begin just with verses 17 through 19, because what it does is Paul is describing the people of that day and age. And I think what we're going to see is the people of that day and age really aren't much different than the people of this day and age, that we're really quite the same. So beginning in verse 17, he says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. So again, Paul is speaking by the authority of God. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. So the Gentiles are non-Jews, and they were typically pagans. They, they worshiped many different gods. They had a god for everything that they had made up. And so they're, they're hopelessly confused. Sounds like you know, today's day and time. It says their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So Paul's describing what we might call, call quote-unquote, bad people, if you will. Um, he, he says that, that they're hopelessly confused about who God is, that, that their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God wants for them. And this is all because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts toward him. Doesn't that sound a lot like today? Isn't that the world we live in? Isn't that pretty descriptive of a lot of folks that we know, and including ourselves? And it says there's a result to all this, and it says that there's no sense of shame. There's no sense of shame in doing any of those things, that they live for lustful pleasure, lustful pleasure. And then finally, they eagerly practice every kind of impurity, every kind of impurity. Now, again, if I think if we're honest, we can see how each and every one of us have 
done some of those things at different stages of our lives. Everyone. This is descriptive of all of us to some degree or another. And so that's kind of the sobering news. Now, he begins to give us hope and the hope that we have in Jesus. And it begins in verse 20. He says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. He says, that's not what you learned about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. In other words, he's he's saying Jesus isn't like that at all. Jesus is actually the antithesis of that. That's not who Jesus is. That's not how you learned him. And then he um, is about to go into some practical application, which is, this is really good for those of us who, who really like to fix things. If you're a fixer, like most of the guys are in here, like you're, you're like, okay, I get the problem. Just, I, I just want to fix it. Well, he's going to tell you how to fix it right here. So, so listen up to this, beginning in verse 22. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So what God's saying through Paul is is that he wants to change us. And, And he wants to change us from being bad to good, from being unrighteous to righteous. Now, I've got an illustration of what this looks like. So this robe here represents our, our sinful nature. This is us, you know, being the people that Paul's describing there. We're just chasing after, um, you know, our lustful desires. We're engaging in every kind of sinful um, pleasure that might be there. And so we end up, Somehow, this is, women, I admire you. <clears throat> the, uh, that our nature, easy, hang with me, looks something like this. And so, as we engage in these different things that are pleasurable in the moment, aren't they? Well, what happens in the end? Well, we, we suffer you know, immensely from it. We, we feel this brokenness. We, we feel this, this stain, if you will. We just don't feel right. And, and a lot of us are, are pretty good at hiding that, you know, and, and trying to project a different self. See, typically this is kind of who we want to project ourselves at, like somebody who's got it all together, like we're successful, right? We're, we're maybe godly, right? But in reality, even though we may convince ourselves of that, and we may convince other people that we know deep down this is more a true picture of who we are apart from Christ, we're, we're, we're hurting, we're broken, we're defiled. It just is. That's our sinful nature. That's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus didn't want us to stay like that. And so he purchased for us a new nature, a new robe. And I love how Paul, again, puts it here. And he said, to, this is the action step. He says, take it off. You know, take off that sinful nature. Take it off. And then he says, to do what? Well, first he says, throw it away. Like, throw it away. Throw it far away. 
So take off the sinful nature and throw it far away. Now, he's got something better in store for you. He's got this new robe that Jesus purchased just for you. It's a robe of righteousness. It's his righteousness. And so he says, put it on. This is the new you. This is the new you. And it's undefiled. It's without stain or blemish. He says, take my robe of righteousness upon yourself. I have purchased this for you. How do you get it? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And if you do that, you are saved. And in that, that moment of salvation, there's a thing that takes place called justification. It's just a, a big churchy word that um, really means just as if I never sinned. Like you have been justified through faith in Jesus. And when you are justified, you receive this new robe. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's this new nature. It's as, again, as if you've never sinned. And yet, if we're honest, we may understand this maybe intellectually, and we may even understand this theologically, that we become this kind of new creation where the old is gone and the new has come, where we, we've cast off this sinful nature and we put on this new nature of Jesus's. But if we're honest, we, we look within and we're like, well, that may be, but I know I still mess up. Like, I, I still have a tendency to run over, and I want to put that back on because it's really comfortable, isn't it? And, and even though we know it's going to leave us with a lot of regret and a lot of pain and brokenness, well, it's familiar to us. And there's some fun in the midst of it in there. And so we have a tendency to run back to that instead of just fully embracing the new nature, the new garment that Jesus has purchased for us, this new robe of righteousness, because we know that we still mess up. But here's the beautiful thing, that when we receive this new robe, so to speak, we receive something else that's hidden beneath it. We receive the Spirit of God, too. And see, it's the Spirit of God that changes us. See, be becoming more like Christ isn't something that we do by just trying harder to be better people. No, it's, it's what Paul said. Remember, he, he said this. He said, we need to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and minds. We need to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and our minds. It's something that God will do from the inside out. So, again, think about it. What you think about determines how you feel about yourself. And how you feel about yourself will determine how you act, what you do, right? They're all tied together. What you think determines how you feel, which will reflect in how you act. We're supposed to let the Spirit renew our thoughts, our attitudes, or our hearts. It's not something we have to do in and of ourselves. We just cooperate with what God is already doing. Now, I want to bring us back to the beginning, back to when I was saying, you know, if, 
whatever you're wearing, you know, really affects how you carry yourself. When you dress really nicely, you tend to carry yourself a little differently. You hold your head a little higher, right? You, you view yourself a little more positively. I'm, look a little more professional, maybe a little bit more godly, a little bit more importantly. And, and then other people see you as that as well. Well, the idea is that we need to embrace this new outfit, this new garment, this robe of righteousness. And once we do, then we'll begin to hopefully think a little differently about ourselves. And we'll feel differently about ourselves. And once that happens, we begin to act a little differently, don't we? We begin to be more Christ-like because the Holy Spirit is changing our, our thoughts and, and our feelings to be more like his thoughts and his feelings. And it just works so beautifully together. And that's what I love. Now, I, I've mentioned this um, before, and, and it's something that sounds so subtle, but it's yet so profound, that in this moment, when uh, again, when we are justified... Um, Another process takes place, and it's called sanctification. Sanctification. It's, it's another big churchy word, and it just means becoming more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is about. Because God knew that, that we were a work in progress, right? Like we weren't going to be perfect once we accepted Jesus' gift and began to follow him. He knew, like, this is going to be a process. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to work. And as long as you cooperate with him, things are going to go better, and you'll start to live and love and lead more like Jesus. But it's a process. It's a process. That's what sanctification is all about. Now, we need to embrace this. But one of the things that I'd said before um, is that at that point of justification, we receive this new nature, and we go from being sinners to saints. Think about that. You go from being a sinner to a saint. That may be new to you. It may be something that you've heard before. I don't know. But I think it's something that's very difficult for most of us to embrace. Because most of us know, like, our sinfulness, right? And so a lot of us, if not most of us, identify as sinners. But God says, no, you're now a saint. You're a saint. And if you don't believe it, just look to who Paul is writing these letters to. Um, Look at Romans. If you turn to the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Then he wrote another letter to the church in Corinth. Verse Corinthians 1, 2, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, that's what we're talking about, that's what's going on, called to be saints. Wrote another letter. He, he was a big letter writer. Um, you would have loved him. The uh, Ephesians. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To who? The saints who are in Ephesus. And then yet another one. Philippians. I can keep going here. 1.1. 1, 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Notice, he's writing to saints. He's not writing to a bunch of dead people that did some good stuff, right? That's typically who we think a saint is. It's like, oh, that was a really good, godly person. You know, they died. No, he's writing to people like you and me. He's writing to the church that happens to reside in these different cities. It's as if he was writing to the church in Roanoke, and he would be describing us as saints. 
You are a saint. That's who God says you are. He doesn't define you as a sinner any longer. And if you don't believe me, just like the English Standard Version is what I, what I typically use, go start looking up saints. And you'll see 60 different times in the New Testament that it describes the followers of Jesus as saints. As saints. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, you're a saint. You are no longer a sinner. Even though you may sin and not may, you will, you do, just ask the person next to you you if you uh, came with somebody. Like, we know that's true, but that's not your identity. That's your old identity. This is your new identity that Jesus Christ purchased for you. Now, here's why I think it's significant. If you go through life thinking, I'm just a miserable sinner, I'm just a miserable sinner, how do you think you're going to feel about yourself? You're going to feel like a miserable sinner, right? And then if you feel like a, a miserable sinner, how do you think you're going to act? Probably like a miserable sinner, right? That, that's going to be just your life. But what if you begin to see yourself as God now sees you, and you begin to see yourself as a saint, and you think, I'm a saint. And, and then all of a sudden you begin to feel more like a saint. You know what I bet will happen? You'll start to act more like a saint because that's your new nature. That's what God is calling you, and that's what he's working out through this process of sanctification. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint who occasionally sins, but that's not your identity. And, and here's what gets me. So um, our sin is no longer what defines us in the eyes of God So why do we define ourselves by our sin? If God no longer defines us by our sin, then why do we continue to define ourselves by our sin? It doesn't make any sense. If he looks at you and says, you're a saint, then who are you to say otherwise? And it reminds me of just this incredible gift of this robe of righteousness that Jesus has purchased. And I, I think part of the reason we have a hard time with this is because of grace. We, we love the idea of grace, but we have a hard time accepting grace, don't we? The, the, the fact that we don't deserve something and that we can't earn it is very difficult for us to accept and to embrace. You know, it's like Jesus, you know, buys us this new outfit and, and gives it to us and we were like, all right, Jesus, I want to pay you back. Like, how much was that? He's like, you can't pay me back. I don't even want you to pay me back. I mean, just like when you give a gift to somebody, right? You know, you, you love them. You see this, this coat or this dress or this jacket or this shirt for somebody, and you're thinking about them, and you're like, oh, they would look great in this. I want to get this for them. And you give them this gift, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is great. How much do I owe you? And you're like, nothing. And they're like, no, no, i got to pay you back. Well, they're going to rob you of your joy, aren't they? You just wanted to bless them. You wanted to extend grace to them. And if they don't receive it as such, then everybody loses. We need to embrace the gift of grace that has been extended to us through Jesus. Now, to those who have not yet embraced Jesus and and begun this relationship through basically confessing that he's your Lord by believing that God raised him from the dead. 
then uh, I say to you, um, consider laying down, throwing aside that old sinful nature. Because you know deep down, it hasn't really bought you anything, has it? Anything but brokenness, regret, pain. I mean, that's what that sinful nature does. So take it off, throw it aside, and put on the robe of righteousness that Jesus has purchased for you. Put it on, and then live it out from the inside out. And for those of you who are saints right here, I, I want to encourage you, embrace that. Embrace that. Embrace your new identity. Embrace your new outfit. And hold your head a little higher, not in a negatively prideful way, but just because God himself has said, you are a saint. So when you know you're a saint, you start carrying yourself a little differently. You feel a little bit better about who you are. And people will notice you, and and they'll think a little more highly about you as well. And if you watch this, it's going to play out because what you're thinking about, it's going to change the way you think, and it's going to change the way you act. And I am willing to bet that you're going to begin to live and love and lead like Jesus more and more and more. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks. Thanks for the hope that we have when, when we are sinners. And, and that's our label. That's our nature. That, that you don't want us to stay there. And, and you offer us hope. Hope that is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. I thank you for his sacrifice and, and the debt he paid for us. And, and I pray that, that none of us would be too prideful to, to take off the old nature, the old robe, and, and put on the new. And just to, to embrace it humbly. And then to uh, just identify with who you say we are, saints. And, and I pray that that would be true for each and every one of us. That we would be saints in your eyes. And Lord, that we would live that out so that other people might see it as well. We thank you so much for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Continue to change the way we think, change the way we feel, change the way we act. We thank you that that happens when we just cooperate with you as you change us from the inside out. We ask it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.